You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Out of structure. Let's do it. We have time to run waltz. If it's first and ten, waltz. Or, 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 any down the distance. I don't care. The game is over! And the Chiefs' kingdom has firmly planted its flag on top of football's highest summit. And Chiefs' kingdom, get ready to welcome your champions. Welcome in, Chiefs' kingdom, to another off-season edition of the Out of Structure podcast. I'm Matt Stagner here with Ryan Cobb Jr. As always, as part of the Arrowhead Pride podcast network, we appreciate you all spending a little time with us in what's a pretty quiet time for the Chiefs. Not a lot of news in the headlines. Uh, probably the biggest story that we've seen recently is uh, Patrick Mahomes is uh, celebrating the the uh, impending uh, uh, pregnancy, the, the birth of his second child. So we have another uh, another legacy coming forward for, for the Mahomes family. So lots of happiness there. Maybe less sleep coming up. What, what do you think, Ron? Yeah, so I'm coming hot today, man. No more time for the playbook. There's going to be another kid. Patrick <laughs> Mahomes is going to have no time to, to get better. What are we thinking here? What is he thinking having another? No, yeah, I'm completely he, kidding. <laughs> he should have planned this thing out better, man. I don't know. <laughs> let's, let's wait till after the Super Bowl or something. Yeah, right? No. no that, uh, there, there is, there's definitely going to be those stories. You're going to hear this like <laughs> lack of sleep story, this, uh, uh, you know, Brittany's making him get up with the baby, and so he looks sluggish in the start of games, that kind of stuff. Well, um, it, was, it was a storyline last year at some points. I can't imagine what those same people are going to think about two kids. I mean, holy cow. Uh, you know, he's, he's not even going to be able to play football. He's just going to retire, you know, and be a dad, according because that's just how if, it works. But If that were the case, Philip Rivers would have never made it through his season, <laughs> right? That, didn't that dude have, like, 12 kids or something? So. Yeah, he, he, I, yeah, I remember the Monday night graphic. They had, like, the, the – he could literally line up a football team as if he was the quarterback <laughs> and he had all of his kids play positions. I remember that being the thing. But so he, He's looking down on the Mahomes family right now. He's, like, amateurs. Like, well, that's the thing, though. Mahomes is trying to catch up, apparently, because, man, he you know, they didn't waste any time between, you know, kid one and two. So, But good for yeah, them. No, it's, it's, it's cool. Get them knocked out all at once, and then you know that's true. That's don't true. spread it out too much. Anyway, uh, enough about uh, family planning and the Mahomes <laughs> uh, family. Let's talk a little football. There hasn't been a whole lot of other news. Uh, this is what we would call uh, optimism season, or speculation season, or or maybe just overreaction season. When you see clips coming out of OTAs and little uh, highlight reel catches, uh, just things to to get everybody hyped up for what could be no reason at all. Yeah, well, the Pete likes it. The site likes it. We love it, arrowheadpride.com, because somehow that one little clip of Justin Ross catching a one-handed catch turned into a few articles for us based on the content, based on Kelsey and Mahomes' reactions, because they were both they both had something to say about it. So it is funny, man. You know, th- those clips those clips can mean a lot more than they really are. And 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 we love it though. We love the clicks. Keep keep them coming. 
Well, I hope everybody's enjoying their Memorial Day weekend. We're here recording yeah, on yeah. Memorial Day. Uh, hopefully everybody's uh, out there uh, enjoying the sun, maybe paying your respects uh, to those who've, who've gone before us. Um, we're going to today try to get into some of the fringe roster battles. So some of those spots that are up for grabs. So last time we talked about positions or specific roles where the Chiefs have improved upon last year's roster. This year we're, we're going to talk through some of those those spots that we still think are up for grabs in the offseason program that's coming up here, uh, that they're just getting started into, the, into this preseason work. We're not necessarily going to predict the roster, uh, but, but let's throw out some candidates to watch and who to watch for as they move along through this process of OTAs then to mandatory mini camp and then uh, and then into training camp. So all of that will be coming up over the next few weeks. Uh, so we have, I think, what we think are the top five roster position battles to at least be aware of. And we want you to know the names and the faces that are competing for those spots. Uh, you'll, I think you'll be able to tell who our favorites are just by the way we talk about them. Uh, but we're going to do our best to just lay out the case for each of the candidates and then uh, we'll see how it plays out. Yeah, no, I think we should get going into it right now. And I think the receiver position, the wide receiver position is, is kind of the obvious first start. And we just already mentioned, you know, one of those names, Justin Ross is kind of, it seems to be everyone's uh, favorite, uh, you know, name to follow at least among these, but before we get into the receiver group, or which ones are fighting for those last spots, let's kind of determine maybe how many spots are even available, right? Because I think we all know there are four receivers on this team that should make the team. I mean, no doubt about it. You know, it's the MVS, Juju Smith-Schuster, McCole Hardman, and then the rookie Sky Moore. That's four spots. But we've seen the Chiefs keep five or six receivers, right? Stags, if, if, if I were to ask you right now how many think you keep, they keep, uh, you know, without even thinking about the names necessarily, just, you know, uh, how many numbers. I I have five right now, honestly, but I could be convinced that six. Do you think they go five or six? Yeah, it seems like five is the conventional wisdom. I've got them down for six just because I think they've got a lot of young players that they might want to keep. And and so, sure, some of those could be practice squad players. Some of those could be, you know, uh, candidates to, to, to move on. But I really think there's some development that needs to happen there. And this new concept of the Chiefs having this diverse wide receiver core, so it's not focused around Tyreek Hill anymore. Now you've got players all over the place. You can see contributions from from everybody who makes the active roster at, at receivers. So they might want to keep more bodies there just for competition and development and, and just to, to grow that room as a whole. Yeah, I think that's the selling point on on why you'd keep six, right? Because now it is a more receiver by committee rather than you have Tyree Kill and then a bunch of other guys for the committee. The second receiver is by committee. The whole position is by committee this year. Yeah. And so, and so yeah, so let's get into some names. So I mentioned Justin Ross, Clemson receiver. Obviously, we all we probably all all know his storyline by now. You know, the freshman standout at Clemson. You know, looked like one of the best receivers in this 2023 or 2022 draft class at the time. Obviously, some injury, some spinal stuff. He also broke his foot this last year that he was still recovering from a little bit. Um, you know, shout out Aaron Ladd. He's a contributor to Arrowhead Pride. He actually had a video of what seemed to be, you know, Ross maybe, you know, kind of tweaking it a little bit too, you know, during the OTA or during rookie minicamp. Um, just just kind of a warning. And I think, and I'm glad Aaron Ladd posted this because it's kind of a, almost just like a, hey, like let's not get the expectations too high for this guy. You know, he's still battling through a lot of stuff. He's a very talented player. We all know. But that doesn't mean you're going to be able to go 100% in an NFL football game, you know, in this fall 
after experience at these last few years. And so Ross is kind of that hot name, but there's some other guys too. And, and so let me just name them off real quick and then we'll get into all of them. So like Josh Gordon, we all know about, you know, he obviously came over here last year um, and, and played, you know, played a good amount of snaps actually for the chiefs offense. Cornell Powell, the sixth round pick from last year from Clemson, obviously was on the practice squad all of last year. Didn't even make the week one roster. He was actually cut, which is, is pretty rare for a draft pick to get cut. Darius Fountain is obviously here. He spent some time with the Colts, um, I think two or three years with the Colts before coming on to here and trying to make the roster here. And then there's a guy like Justin Watson, too, who, who Mahomes has made a comment about. And then Corey Coleman is another one that we need to name. So there's a lot of names, right, Stags? You, you hear those names. What do you kind of what's your first impression on, on these names and kind of who you what are your takes on on the receivers uh, in that group? I think it all is going to come down to the the specific roles and how they're going to use those last two wide receiver spots. So if you think about last year and the last couple of years, they've really gotten a lot of special team snaps out of those those depth wide receivers, uh, really all the way up through and including Demarcus Robinson and uh, Byron Pringle. Those guys play a lot of special team snaps over, over the last couple of years. So there's a lot of those that are up for grabs, and you sure can't see very many gunner snaps coming from those top four players that we listed. So if you look through those names that you just talked about, uh, Darius Fountain, I think, played a little bit of special teams. It's not something he's really known for. Mm-hmm. Uh, he started working his way into to Dave's uh, favor uh, last season, I think. If he were to make the roster, he gives you somebody who can make a contested catch. That can be a good possession wide receiver and potentially play some special teams. He's been quiet so far in the offseason program. You haven't heard a thing about him yet. Uh, yeah. But I still think he's a name to watch uh, when they get to St. Joe because they liked him last year. He's shown that he can do some things both on offense and on special teams. So that's the thing, though. I mean, he beat out Powell last year. And so what, like, is, is, what is the – I mean, Powell would have to beat him out this year. But, I mean, it's just – Fountain was already the guy that kind of made the team last year over over some of these names we've already talked about. I mean, Josh Gordon was more of a receiver, obviously, on the team. But, I mean, Fountain has already kind of – they've already kind of shown that they really like Fountain. And so – it almost makes me want to put him as the favorite. I mean, I, I you know, I, I don't know if you agree with that, but just the fact that he's already kind of been, they've already chosen him, right? They've already had their their pick on some of these guys and have chosen Fountain over him. I know Powell obviously could get better, but does that make him the favorite in your eyes? Or, or is that maybe not as important now that there's more names in the mix this year rather than last year? So, yeah, I think with all the names that we just listed, it's tough to name a favorite yet. They're so early in the process, but you can make a strong case for him just because, again, he's one of the few that you can see in both of those phases. You talk about Cornell Powell. He's someone coming someone coming in that we thought would be a great special teams player that could work his way into a wide receiver role. Uh, certainly hadn't didn't happen for him last year. He's got, he's a big physical receiver, and he's somebody that that has the the profile or the pedigree that we thought you know he he could really be a factor. Uh, Corey Coleman is another one that is really lost in the shuffle so far. Speedy wide receiver, former early round draft pick, a guy who who has, um, I believe, had some or shown some ability to, to return kicks yes. uh, at some point in his career. So he's a, another dark horse. And I think that kick returner job is going to be up for grabs this year, right? So Byron Pringle was, was one of the main guys last year. Uh, they've got a lot of candidates that can re- return punts and kicks. And so – not only the special teams gunners that you're looking for, but you're looking for returners as well. 
Yeah, no, that's a really good point to make because yeah, we've kind of we've kind of gotten used to they've kind of just had the returners on the team the last few years in terms of Pringle or even McCole Hardman, but they don't this year. They don't have because I don't think Hardman has been used as a kick returner since his rookie year. Um, I think they want to find that in another position, and we may even get into other positions that have it. But yeah, Corey Coleman, I'm looking right now. He has uh, 23 career kickoff returns and no touchdowns or anything, but you know that's experience. He's a former Baylor uh, first-round pick. He was drafted by the Browns in the 2016 draft, 15th overall. But he has not played football since 2018, which is kind of the weird part about him, right, is, is that he is a talented player. He's shown talent in his career. He actually, you know, his rookie year, he had 413 yards and three touchdowns. Um, but, you know, he just hasn't shown it since. He hasn't even been on the field since. So, But one guy I want to make sure we talk about a, a good amount or, or just, you know, bring up um, specifically is Justin Watson, who honestly I – this is so funny. This entire offseason, I thought he was somebody else. I, 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 when I thought of Buccaneers receivers, I was thinking, oh, I had this guy in my head that I thought it was. And honestly, just until recently, I started looking into Watson because of these Mahomes comments that I'll get into in a second. I was like, oh, this isn't even the guy I thought it was. So that's just how unknown he was. Uh, he didn't play a single offensive snap for the Buccaneers last year. He was a, a strictly a special teamer, but he was drafted by them in 2018. He was a fifth-round pick. And he, he played all four years through his rookie deal with them. Obviously, he was a free agent this offseason, so the Chiefs grabbed him. But just this is what Mahomes said about him just the other day in his press conference. It was last Thursday. Exact quote. Watson's been a pleasant surprise for me. That dude can roll. I remember he came down to Texas, and I threw with him the first day. And I called Veach, and I was like, wait, how fast is this guy? Because he was running so fast, I was late on my throws. He's, a, he's 26 years old. He's six foot three, 225 pounds, but he did record a four, four, two, 40 yard dash and a 40 inch vertical at his pro day in the college draft process. He's a guy that might be right now. And, and I mentioned he didn't play any offense last year, but as we're talking about stag special teams, it might be the most important thing at these spots. He, he could be the one that that's, that's maybe the favorite all of a sudden because of what Mahomes is saying. I mean, that quote is that, that quote says something in my opinion. And I should say real quick before I throw it back to you, he also did make a big play that that was noticed and asked about. Um, he made a play in the corner of the end zone that was apparently the play of the day, according to Pete. Pete tweeted out saying it was the play of the day. So he's made he's turned some heads at uh, OTA so far. Justin Watson. Yeah, I mean it, it's it's such a deep group now, and, and it's going to be hard for some of these guys to separate from the pack. So the more you hear from Mahomes, the more you hear from Andy Reid, the more you yep. see yep. Uh, those highlight real plays coming out. Um, you'll start to get some hints here. It's it's no guarantee, but the quieter things are around a guy like Coleman or Fountain uh, or Powell, uh, you know, the, the, you can really start to read into that a little bit. Uh, now, I, I did hear some, uh, some good news out of Powell uh, so far. There, I saw some, uh, and, and I, I wish I could attribute this quote, but there were some in the media saying that he looked more comfortable. He looked like he had the playbook understanding down and wasn't having to slow down and think so much. Uh, so, that uh, you know maybe bodes well for his development. He was a late bloomer in college, somebody that didn't really come on until later in his career. Uh, so he may just be a guy that takes a little time uh, to find his stride. So don't rule him out yet. Um, there's also you know the perennial sleeper pick for this uh, for this team. Uh, you know I write this segment called Market Movers for ArrowheadPride.com, and uh, every week uh, you know I, I'm I'm looking at who's you know, who's trending in the right direction, who's trending in the wrong direction, and then, you know, who, who might be a sleeper. And for weeks, I had Josh Gordon as my sleeper. Like, sooner or later, this guy's going to break out. 
It never happened last season. <laughs> he he ended up being a game day inactive down the stretch and into the playoffs, uh, which tells me that the team was just done with him. And then they go ahead and re-sign him to a futures deal, and now he's back in the mix for one more season. Uh, we'll see what happens with Josh Gordon. Obviously, he had the physical tools at one point, but another guy who hasn't played football in a long time. So that's three receivers, by my count, on this list that have not played substantial amounts of NFL football over the last few years or even college football for, for Justin Ross. Yeah. Um, so you've got some guys really trying to make a comeback uh, and and really trying to be – I mean, that that's really the definition of a long shot, in my opinion, somebody who had talent, who showed it at one point in time, but it's been a long time since they did anything of note any production, uh, you know, that, that you can hang your hat on. Well, yeah, and that's the thing with Gordon is that his skill set is kind of replicated by whether it's Fountain, Powell, or Ross. I mean, they're all kind of three similar style players where they're bigger, go up and get it kind of guys, but also can give you some straight ahead speed. Um, but yeah, I you know, Gordon's thirty one years old. At some point, you know, it, it's it, you're not you're not seeing the twenty two year old that had sixteen hundred yards in twenty thirteen. I mean, I know it's it's so. We all want to we all want to see that guy again, but it is weird that the Chiefs brought him back. I will say so. It is it is interesting, but I think we should maybe move on to another position. Yeah, I mean that's that's five guys, you know, vying for for one or two spots. And you're right, I think there's a lot of overlap in in the skill set that some of those right, guys right. bring. So you're not gonna, you know, if they kept six receivers, it's not going to be Gordon and Ross, right? Like yeah. they're they're very you know. They, they have some of the similar uh, attributes. So, uh, you know, look for those special team standouts. Look for those guys who are making plays and making a name for themselves uh, as we go along. So let's stay on the offensive side of the ball and talk about running back a little bit. You know, the, the top two at running back are set. Now, there's certainly a debate amongst a lot of people about the value of each of those two running backs. You've got Clyde Edwards-Alaire, recent first-round pick, uh, a guy who I've been much higher on than, than you and a lot of others. But I think, I think if you watch the film, when Edwards Alaire has been on the field, he's been very, very good. It's just the when he's been on the field uh, asterisk that's the problem with him. And so they bring in Ronald Jones, another young running back, uh, remarkably young. I feel like he's been in the league a long time, but he's, what, 24, 25 years old. Uh, this is a player who's an explosive downhill runner uh, who's got his limitations in the passing game, but he may be the early down back. So you've got – Two legitimate, you know, thousand-yard rushing type players, whether they've done it yet uh, or they have that ability if they're featured and proven, so I believe. So those two guys are locked in. The rest of the running back room, you know, you talk about how many running backs they're going to keep. I think a lot of times they, recently they've kept four plus a fullback. Um, so you've got CEH and Jones leading off that group. And then you've got a few guys competing for one or two spots Depending on how you how many they keep, uh, you've got uh, uh, Pacheco, who's who is a seventh round pick, but also the fastest running back in the draft. Uh, he's got that straight line speed, but also what you gotta love about him, this guy loves to pass protect. He loves to block. He's aggressive at it. He's got some great ability there. Those two things alone could put. Uh, Pacheeks or whatever the, his nickname is, uh, <laughs> right up here, uh, it, you know, close to a lock to make this roster and maybe even somebody that can contribute. Yeah, I think four is the number here. I think they are going to keep four, I would guess. And so, you know, 
I, I think Pacheco, you know, when I first kind of looked into him, first kind of thought about him, you know, I, I see him as a, as a you know, a, more of a kick returner than an actual running back. But you make a good point about the pass protection because, you know, none, none of the other three guys that or now, you know, the other two guys you already mentioned that you named off. I mean, Clyde, we haven't seen anything from him on the passing downs because they don't trust him on passing downs for whatever reason, which it's got to be this year. I mean, if it hasn't been, it's got to be this year. And so. We haven't seen a lot of how well Clyde does as a pass protector, and 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 the stuff we have seen, it's not you know it's not been super impressive. Ronald Jones is a bigger dude; he is not going to be in on pass downs and shouldn't be because even not even though he's he doesn't he can't catch the ball, but he also cannot pass protect. Um, and and I and I've I've seen that and I've heard that from Tampa Bay Buccaneers guys that I trust. So he's going to be a strictly early down guy. So there's got to be somebody they trust to pass protect. And if Pacheco's really good at it, they're going to find a way to get him on the field because they need to protect. Patrick Mahomes yeah I mean Daryl Williams was very much the trusted guy in that yeah. department and and with him moving on to Arizona now um, they're going to need to fill that in Pacheco you know is looks to be pretty close to a lock for that third running back position uh, so, but then you've got uh, Derek Gore who's been a very productive back and very limited ab- action in, in recent years Gore had a 50-yard reception last year a 50-yard rush I mean he's made some big plays uh, for this team already, uh, where do you think Gore fits in? Okay, so yeah, I I have Gore as the third the third back. I, I think it's Pacheco. Well, I know I think Gore Pacheco, and then the guy we haven't talked about yet, the Ole Miss running back, the undrafted free agent Jerry on Ely. I think those are kind of the three vying for. But I think Gore, I think he showed enough last year, and I really do think you know he reminded me. I, I said it last year. He reminded me of Charkandrick West, and I really think that that kind of style of runner they. You know, I, I think from the from the you know besides the first two, I think they could kind of use that as a change of pace guy. You know, uh, you know he has it seemed he seemed to have good vision. He seemed to be able to get what was there, but maybe just not more than that, which we all you know were annoyed with with most of our running backs last year. But if the other two running backs get better at that, and, and Gore can just be very competent at that, I think he has a very good shot at making. So I I, I would say he's the third back, and then Pacheco and then Ely, as I mentioned, are vying for that fourth that fourth spot. And that's where I think it gets interesting because I think both kind of could offer similar skill sets in terms of being a returner. But again, you just mentioned with Pacheco, he's going to have that size advantage, be able to kind of hold up more. I think Ely is kind of a smaller dude. And so, you know, we have some ideas on maybe how Ely could could have a better chance at making this roster. But do you think he has a good shot at making it over Gore or Pacheco? Yeah, I mean, it's it's a valid question. Um, Jerry and Ely is listed at 5'9", 185. So, yeah. you know, um, the Chiefs have had what do you call them scat backs? You know, they, they've had somebody in that size and and, and shape, uh, you know, throughout the years. Uh, some infamous names, some some famous, Anthony Thomas and Dexter McCluster, and you know, there's they've they've had some of these these smaller backs in the past. Ely was an explosive kick returner in college. He was an All SEC kick returner. Um, he is fantastic in the open field. Uh, he's he's one of those players that could be electric if used the right way. So I'm really going to be watching him this offseason, really gonna be excited to see him in, in St. Joe because he's already listed on the roster as a wide receiver slash running back. Yeah. Um, he's the only player listed that way. Um, and I think that's an interesting notation because if he's a kick returner, if he's a passing down back, and he has a shot at like a slot receiver position, there might be some versatility value there. 
Yeah, no, I think that's that's the point there, because I think if Pacheco and Gore are impressive enough to to have spots and they want to keep those four as the running backs, but they still think Ely has some kick return ability or they just want to keep his skill set around. We just talked about the receivers, man. What if they only like five and they think, you know, that's sixth spot? Let's just give it to Ely. Let's just let's just get Ely on this team. We want him on this team. And maybe he's a guy that, you know, they go practice squad and he gets picked up. So I think I think we're good with four, but I think that is the running back rotation there. I think we're going to see a healthy battle there. I'm excited for it. It's going to be interesting. And I, I also pointed out a stat earlier today uh, that I noticed on Twitter. They were looking at the the pass rate, and this was just for the second half of last season. They were looking at what teams passed the most uh, on early downs. And it's, it's kind of funny if you look at the graphic. It's like a lot of graphics that have Patrick Mahomes in them. <laughs> there's everybody else, and then there's Mahomes way out here. So this was Denny Carter, CD Carter 13 on Twitter, uh, put out that, that graphic showing that the Chiefs were dramatically ahead of the rest of the league in how often they threw the ball on early downs. Could we see that flip this year now that they have an early down back that they trust, someone that can actually turn out some yards, Maybe they're going to get away from the RPO game a little bit. We talked about that a lot with the Tyree Kill trade. Now maybe they're they're a little bit more of a conventional run on early downs, maybe some mixing in some play action passing there. Uh, maybe the running back room as a whole looks different because the offense looks different this year. Yeah, and I think the RPO point is the point to make there because I do think some of this early down pass frequency that you're looking at where they're way ahead – a lot of that could be RPOs called where even if it was a run, maybe that should have been the play, you know, maybe Mahomes should have handed it off. I do think, and, and it was very uh, evident in the AFC championship, but I do think there are times Mahomes just pulls it because he's Mahomes and he wants to make the play with his, his hand, not give it off, which, Hey, <laughs> I'd rather you have the ball too. Don't, don't worry about that. But it is, I, I do think they do need to establish a run a bit, a little bit more. I know it's kind of like almost like a curse word at this point, establishing the run, but I do think with, with the offensive line they have now, just it's just a way to kind of change the offense where defenses aren't expecting it. And we've already kind of heard uh, guys like Travis Kelty hint at that, hint at how the offense is going to catch defenses off guard because they're not used to guard defending it in that way. I think that's the way it could be, where it's just more running, and we've talked about that. We'll see. And, yeah, so there's a lot of competition there for the bottom of the running back spots. Again, keep an eye on special teams with those guys and versatility. That might be the name of the game, and maybe – they're going to have to leverage some some of the practice squad spots again this year uh, for, to try to keep some of these guys in the room. Let's move on to the defensive side of the football. There's three positions on defense that I think could have substantial competition uh, at the bottom of the roster. Let's start with cornerback, the position that, that somehow uh, Brett Veach changed his mind on this offseason, decided to invest heavily in lots of numbers at the cornerback position, and now all of a sudden – You've got a cornerback room that I think is normally six players deep um, with just like some of the other positions, the top of it's pretty well locked in now. You know that first-round pick Trent McDuffie is going to be in the mix. He's probably going to be your number one corner uh, sooner or later. Legereus Sneed is the best player in your secondary that returned from last year. Uh, you've got Rashad Fenton, who I think they think pretty highly of as soon as he's through the injury recovery that he's got going on. You've got those three pretty well locked in. So now I've got, you know, three spots, maybe three spots for a whole host of players uh, that uh, 
are going to be competing. So you've got guys coming back from last year, uh, DiCaprio Boodle, uh, who was an undrafted free agent who, who made his mark and, and showed uh, some, some good athletic ability pick that they brought in, uh, who had a lot of snaps in the previous season. Um, and, but then he was uh, sort of phased out, I think, a little bit. Uh, so it's yet to be seen what his role looks like. They brought in Luke Barku. And then they have all of these other players uh, that they brought in in this year's draft and after this year's draft, uh, not not to not the least of which is J- Joshua Williams, who was a, a fourth round draft pick, has a lot of ability, a lot of size. Uh, even though he's a smaller school guy, they traded for Lonnie Johnson. They added Jalen Watson late in the draft. A uh, lot of candidates here. What do you think about some of these uh, some of these deeper? end of the of the cornerback pool yeah i think you hit it when you said six cornerbacks it's got to be six i can't imagine they cut it to five with this group um and and i don't and i and i think they want to be deep at corner they've always have been so i have it at six you mentioned three well let me ask i mean do do you think joshua i mean joshua williams has to kind of be a lock right i mean he's a fourth round pick yeah i mean they they've cut what a third round pick in the past uh who was just a complete and total flop in in training camp it, it would be the exception, not the norm. So, yeah, you, you would assume he's got the leg up considering that investment, how excited they were to get him. Again, he's a big physical player, can play the press. He can do uh, a lot of what Steve Spagnuolo loves in his uh, his cornerbacks. I, I think he can bring a lot of what maybe Charveris Ward used to do. So uh, I, I do think he's as close to a lock as you can get. So, yeah, maybe it is the rest of these guys – uh, competing for for two jobs the same similar profile as Williams and so he's a guy that you know if he comes in and impresses and ha- if he's the same type of corner as Joshua Williams which he is he played at the Pac-12 level you know that's that is where it's interesting and maybe why you don't lock in Joshua Williams because um, I mean yeah the, it, it, there's only a few rounds difference but they were both drafted and they both are very similar style players and, you know, if anything, Watson probably has closer experience of playing NFL-level players rather than Joshua Williams, who played at Fayetteville State, D2. Then look at those veterans, you know, DeAndre Banker being the incumbent, but they went to great lengths to bring in competition for him. Yeah, uh, He's a player yeah. that, that, again, maybe wasn't even totally in favor last year. Mike Hughes saw a lot more uh, action than I think he did down the stretch. Now, all of a sudden, he's not only competing with all of these rookies they brought in, uh, but then after the draft, even after bringing in all of these defensive backs, they go out and trade for Lonnie Johnson. Yeah, You don't yeah. make that trade if DeAndre Baker is going to make this roster, in my opinion. Uh, so I think that's one to really watch. If if Lonnie Johnson is who they think he is and they don't, and, and he sticks and makes this roster, uh, I can't imagine a scenario where they keep Baker and Lonnie Johnson because that means – Jalen Watson's on the practice squad. That means yeah. Luke Barku's gone. Yeah. That means you know there's uh, you know there's there's a lot of of the young players that they would expose to the waiver system just to keep Baker when it feels pretty redundant with the additions that they brought in. Yeah, exactly. And then another guy I want to shout out before we move on is DiCaprio Boodle because I do think I saw some things I like from him last year. The former Nebraska cornerback, he was an undrafted free agent last off season and he played a lot of slot for them in the tra- in training camp and preseason. And so if, if, if they are looking for a guy that can give them a little more slot capability uh, to kind of round out that cornerback position, because you're talking about a lot of outside cornerbacks, all these guys we talked about are outside corners. If they want to maybe switch it up with that sixth guy and get a guy that's a little more slot versatile, 
DiCaprio Boodle could make that case um, over guys like Ronnie, Ronnie Johnson, Johnson or Jalen Watson. That's interesting. Do you like um, Do you like Rashad Fenton in the slot or on the outside better? You know, that's a good no, point. Fenton started, started his career as more of a slot player, 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 but he, I think he's looked at his best as an outside corner, so I consider him an outside corner. If your starter's on the outside, you know McDuffie's going to be an outside corner, right? Like, there's really no question about that, right? Like, he's going to start off. They said they said as much during the draft. We see him as an outside corner. Yes, he's a smaller guy, but I think, you know, he's... He, they he did up say he did show. say he practiced hey, nickel he during practice rookie nickel mini camp, though. Just to put it out. Fair enough. All right, so I'm penciling him in as one of the outside starters, uh, and then the guy opposite him, you would think would be Sneed. Yeah. Yeah. Unless Lonnie Johnson just shows out, and then they keep Sneed in the in the nickel, right? So then, so I'm not sure who your starters there uh, are. But then, yeah, if you're lining up depth behind those guys, you got to make sure that there's Joshua Williams is an outside guy only, like I said, Lonnie Johnson is as well, uh, Gina Watson probably as well, right? So, so now all of a sudden, uh, yeah, I think that's a good point. Uh, who else can play the slot other than Snead and Fenton uh, if if they need it? Exactly. Well, let's let's uh, let's move on. I'll let you introduce the next person. Well, you know, I think that's a good transition because. When you're talking about covering the slot, a lot of times that was covered by a safety last year, right? So you had Tyron Matthew, who was who was best known as a slot defender. Um, you've got a, a safety position group here uh, with a lot of guys competing for that last spot. So you're going to start off with Justin Reed, the big offseason addition in free agency, uh, Brian Cook, uh, an early draft pick for, for the Chiefs this season, and Juan Thornhill, the incumbent of this group. And then they brought in – Veteran Dion Bush, uh, who was pretty well known as as a special teams player who could play some on defense, um, we thought maybe he would be the third safety until they started uh, adding uh, other players this offseason. Uh, then a whole bunch of young guys. Nazi Johnson, the last draft pick of the group, uh, was primarily a safety, although he could be a corner as well. Devin Key and Zane Anderson, previous undrafted free agents uh, that they liked a lot last season. Uh, a lot of guys competing there for what you know. I think we can agree is one spot. Yeah, no, and Nazi Johnson is is someone when we talk about slot capability. I mean, he he is that. I mean, you just mentioned it, but he he mainly he mainly played slot cornerback um, rather than like a deep safety kind of type of position in college. So he's definitely in the mix there. I would think, although you know, I I want to be careful. We don't just just because these guys are draft picks, and I'm and I'm not talking about us, but maybe just the uh, you know Chiefs Kingdom as a whole. Just because someone they spent a seventh round draft pick on him does not mean he's any more any more uh, you know in in uh, invested in than an undrafted free agent. I mean, that's right. I think it is very wide open between him, uh, Key, and Anderson. You know, and, and we'll see which of them can distinguish themselves on special teams, uh, who can show off enough versatility uh, that they make a case that they need to be kept on this roster. Yeah, I think he's a guy we, we do have to remember. I mean, last year he was getting hyped up by beat reporters like he was going to start <laughs> or like he was going to at least make the team, which he did not. And it was actually one of his first plays of the preseason, which kind of proved why he shouldn't, uh, that long bomb against the Niners. But that's the thing, man. He was an undrafted free agent last year, maybe a whole year on that practice squad, that experience within the defense. 
maybe he comes out and and maybe it was just a year early on the hype for him. And and so that's a, definitely a name to watch out for. Too. And, and Zane Anderson too. I mean, he's getting uh, before the draft. There was a lot of the the beat reporters who were talking about him as the new Dan Sorensen in almost every possible way. He's the new Dan Sorensen. Uh, looks and plays a lot like him in in, in many many different ways. Um, you know, again, they brought in plenty of competition, which tells you that they weren't totally sold on him, but. Uh, it doesn't mean he won't be a factor when they get to St. Joe. All right, last position we're going to talk about here, these fringe roster battles. You know, the linebacker group is very interesting. I've been talking about it all offseason, how excited I am about this linebacker group. I mean, the top of it looks like it could be, and I and I don't think it's exaggeration to say it could be one of the most impactful linebacker groups. If you're talking about a trio of linebackers in the entire NFL with what all three can do, I yeah. think it's it's definitely one of the most exciting um, cause they're all young and everything. They're all, they're, their ceilings are all, you know, you can see kind of where they all can go, but we're talking fringe fringes of the roster here. And there's some, still some interesting names here. You know, Jermaine Carter jr. They brought in, he he actually started for the Panthers at the Mike linebacker position all of last season. So you're talking about a guy that has experience calling a defense being the green dot for actually what was a pretty good defense last year. The Panthers defense was the only reason they were competent at all. Uh, definitely wasn't Sam Darnold. Um, but you also got Elijah Lee, who's been a special teams guy most of his career. He hasn't really played defensive snaps until since 2018. That's how much of a special teams guy he is. And then we t- we have Mike Rose and Jack Cochran, some undrafted free agents. But Mike Rose is the guy I want to real quick just say he's interesting, man. He should have been a fourth or fifth round pick, depending on who you ask. Uh, Dane Brugler and Jim Nagy um, both mentioned him as a fourth or fifth round pick possibility. I guess he had some injuries that I actually haven't really seen or, or read about, but he had some injuries at the end of last season that, that halted him from, or I guess kind of maybe, you know, uh, screwed his draft position a little bit, but he was an undrafted free agent. This dude won big 12 player defensive player of the year in 2020. I mean, that's pretty crazy. That guy had five interceptions at linebacker. He's a very big dude. He's like six, five has some really long arms, big hands, but he's a coverage linebacker. He's a guy that excels, in space at, you know, outside of the box almost sometimes. He played almost in the slot a lot for Iowa State, which is very interesting. So he's a guy I'm really curious to see how he looks because I think the one thing he struggled with that I saw a lot of was missed tackles. And I saw someone, some Iowa State fan wanted to say he was fighting through injuries a lot more in 2021, which could be the case. And if that's the case, man, I liked everything up to till the tackle point. But everything leading up to that, <laughs> he was good. So I, I think that sounds like someone else that we might talk about here in a second. <laughs> minor detail there yeah no that's i am excited about the the linebacker group as a whole um and i think you know rose certainly has a case there and and i think there's another guy elijah lee that we're, we haven't talked much about in a long time he's a player they brought in again primarily as a special teamer uh but they're they need special team snaps out of that linebacker group and i think leo chanel is going to be an animal on special teams but you don't want your other two guys probably playing a lot uh, of special teams at the top so there's if you think about the way that they've had their linebackers set up in the past, they had Dorian O'Daniel, who was exclusively a special teams player. You had Ben Neiman, who was a special teams player and saw way more snaps than you would like to see on defense because he was the backup Mike and he was also your your dime linebacker. There's a big role to be made up there. Uh, maybe they reallocate some of those snaps, you know, with, with some of those top guys, but you can sure see. Whoever it is that makes the roster, uh, whether it's Carter uh, being the backup, Mike um, Lee being a special teams player, you've got uh, you've got Love being uh, that potential dime linebacker. Uh, there, there's 
there's some roles there that are up for grabs. I'll be really curious to see how that all pans out. Yeah, because I do think Carter is the more likely, you know, replacement for what Neiman does in terms of someone who plays a lot more than we'd like. Um, and then Lee, you know, I, I think Rose has a chance um, to be that kind of backup Mike, but he's a rookie. And I do think they're going to value experience maybe at that dime position. That's why Carter has a pretty good shot. So I, I'd say I'd say Car- I'd lean Carter makes the team and it's between like guys like Mike Rose and Elijah Lee to, to claim that last fifth spot because we didn't say it at the top, but. I, I have five linebackers making the team, and I think that's typical what they do, but they sometimes keep six. So Yeah, I, I think five as well, and you're right. I mean, it's, it's probably safest to put Carter in that fourth spot uh, yeah. and then a, a rookie in behind him uh, that, that primarily is a special teamer. Um, I, I would be interested to see where, where Lee versus Carter, if that's, a, if that's a debate. I do think they fill different roles, uh, but – I'm not sure that they expected to walk out of this draft with Leo Chanel. And if Leo Chanel is a starting Sam and your backup Mike, and he looks good doing both, then yeah. you might not need Carter. You might be able to focus on coverage guys uh, with those, uh, with some of those rookies and some of the younger players um, like Mike Rose. That's a good point. Actually, that's a, that's a really good point. Um, but let's start a break and I'm going to throw it to break here because I have a, would you rather for you stags? And oh. I think this will be a fun one. Um, last week I did, you know, who, who would you rather have as a pro bowl rookie season, George Karloftis, or Sky Moore. Let's go a little big picture, a little bigger this time. Who would you rather add to this team as it is? Just drop them in, in their prime. Um, you know, we'll, we'll say in their prime, we're talking just this year too. We don't need to think about the longevity of anything. <laughs> would you rather add Jamal Charles or Derek Thomas? That is a tough one. I know we're going to go to break here on the other side. We'll answer it. All right, we're back here on the Outer Structure Arrowhead Pride podcast. Appreciate you listening. Make sure you leave a five-star review if you can. We left you listeners uh, on the on on a cliffhanger at the end of that at the end of that first segment. Who would you rather have just to add to this team right now? Jamal Charles or Derek Thomas? You know, I think I think it sounds easy on the surface, but when you really think about who you rather would see on the team, you know, who would you rather uh, you know see on this on the field again? How exciting it would be. Stags, who are you going with here? Yeah, I mean, the obvious answer really has to be Derek Thomas. This right. team is in desperate need of pass rush, especially speed rushers. And there's probably the all-time great speed rusher in the history of the NFL or, yep. or one of the top two or three in, in Derek Thomas would be uh, would be a lot of fun to add to the mix here. Really diversifies your pass rush and, and gives them something that they just don't have. That said, Jamal Charles may be my other all-time favorite Chiefs. So this is... This is a brutal question, and can you imagine Charles running behind this offensive line? It's just like we talked about the the Rofe Water Shield line. Uh, you know, the, how cool would it have been to see Charles behind that line? Not saying that those this line is to that level yet, uh, but they have a, a play style that would be f- phenomenal with Jamal Charles, and, and that explosion out of him would be uh, with Mahomes. I mean, that would be that'd be something else. I know, man. I know. I know. I, I, I said Derek Thomas, though. It, it'd be it'd be crazy to get a Hall of Fame edge edge rusher with this group. Because all of a sudden we'd be we'd love this group. I mean, if you're talking about Frank Clark and Carl Loftus as your second and third defensive ends, I mean that'd be great. Um, we should be talking about them as the second and third defense, <laughs> but it just it just hasn't worked out that way. So yeah. Oh my gosh. Exactly. Right. No, that's that's a great point though. But I think now, Stags, it's time for market movers. 
Yeah, for those of you that follow us on airheadpride.com, there's a segment we call Market Movers. Uh, we talked about it earlier. It's really just trying to track any trends in recent uh, Chiefs players. So what's happened in recent weeks that may have changed the outlook going forward for some of these guys. So let's highlight uh, from my most recent piece uh, earlier a couple weeks ago. Let's highlight one in each category. Uh, one that's trending up uh, based on what we saw in the offseason program and what we heard out of OTAs. Uh, what about Malik Herring uh, in, in the bull category? Um, bullish on a guy who came in undrafted last year and injured, but they kept working with him all offseason. And he's got the size and the physicality to be uh, maybe a forced player and somebody that uh, uh, that they're not counting on being a big contributor, but maybe he could be a difference maker. Yeah, I'm excited to see what Malik Herring looks like. He was a guy that probably would have got drafted last year. Um, he went undrafted because he actually he tore his ACL in the Senior Bowl of last off of the last pre-draft process. But he's a guy at Georgia, which we all just saw how many Georgia defenders uh, came out in this year's draft. He was playing over Trayvon Walker and, and other really good defensive ends at Georgia because he was that good of a player. The, the thing with him is he's kind of a tweener. He, he's got a he's got a weird size profile to him. He's about 6'2", 280, which, you know, you want your guys to be a little lengthier than that, a little uh, taller than that. And you also want them to be a little lighter if they're going to play on the edge. 280 is kind of heavy for an edge defender, depending on what kind of player you are. Um, so that is where it's interesting. He is kind of a tweener. He might be more of like a, a situational rusher kind of type where maybe you don't trust him to hold up against the run, but maybe you just say get after it, you know, on a one-on-one -on -one against a guard on a third down or something. So he, he's, he's just exciting. He's just an exciting player where I think last year, if he would have been healthy, you know, he might've been able to give us some snaps, I think, uh, you know, in his rookie year. Now it's a second year. So I'm excited about him. I'm excited to see what he's like. There's an opportunity there, and when there's an opportunity and talent, then you, know, you can. it's easy to be bullish on a young player like that. Now, for somebody who maybe who's trending in the wrong direction, um, another player that would have been the incumbent starter had a serious injury uh, later in the season, or actually sort of in, in the middle of the season, Lucas Niang last year, uh, with the patella tendon injury, which is a tough one to come back from, especially for a big guy, but... Um, you've got to wonder where he stands on this team and where, what his outlook is when they went out and they brought in first a, a veteran, Jaron Christian, which is a guy that we really haven't talked much about, but he's a competent player who's been a starter in this league at tackle. Uh, he's a good pass protector and somebody that could very easily win that job. And then you've got Andrew Wiley, who stepped in for Niang and, and again, was fully competent at the right, right tackle position, uh, formerly more of a guard, uh, really has shown a, shown his chops as a backup tackle and had enough value that they brought him back. And then they went out after that trade down for Sky Moore, picked up a fifth-round pick, traded up to get uh, Darren Kennard, which is a very, very promising player. Uh, everybody thinks he's the biggest steal in the Chiefs draft and maybe uh, in the draft as a whole this season. Uh, now you've got three guys potentially above Lucas Niang Canard being the most promising long-term uh, and a player that, you know, very easily could take that starting job the way that Trey Smith did last year and never look back. Well, yeah. And think, you know, the Trey Smith comparison is obviously easy to make, but the other part of that too, you're talking about winning a job, you know, Kyle Long 
and I think he probably would have had a better shot at making the if uh, winning that job at right guard if he didn't get hurt right before training camp. Niang is kind of in that similar spot where obviously he's already hurt, um, but like I don't think he's going to be able to to get on the field with the first team offense for you know until at least training camp. Um, you know, obviously I'm speculating. I have no idea. I'm just going off of, you know, uh, it's not like Pete, our boss, you know, he, he, he's pretty confident or he's made it sound like he's pretty confident that, you know, Niang could be, you know, not ready to go until closer to week one. Um, So yeah, it's just more of a, it it could be a by default thing where Niang, you know, we can't, you can't in the NFL, it's not for long, right? You can't wait around for a guy to get healthy and be like, all right, we still have our right tackle. We're fine guys. No, you have to have a backup plan. You have to have a plan for that position, especially, a position that protect protects Patrick Mahomes as much as it does. I think, I think that's why they did it. And you know, if it ends up that Kennard is just ends up being a better player, that, that just sucks for Niang. He didn't really lose the job. He just got hurt at the wrong time. And the chiefs just needed to have a comp, you know, a backup plan rather than just waiting on Niang to get healthy. Right. That's right. He's the drew Bledsoe to Tom Brady, the, uh, <laughs> um, or, or was it Wally Pip? Uh, was it, was the other famous guy? Yeah. Who, Wally Pip to uh, DiMaggio, right? Or uh, was it Mickey Mantle? It was one of the Yankees players. It was- <laughs> Whoever it was, uh, whatever the, the analogy you want to use, I do think that there's uh, you know, not a lot of optimism around Lucas and Yang's stock right now, and it's, it's much harder to see him as the day one starter, again, especially if he's not ready until the end of training camp. Some people have speculated that he might even be a PUP candidate, somebody yeah. who they, they shelved for the first eight weeks of the season. And in that scenario – you're given uh, the rookie plenty of time to to win the job and convince those uh, you know that are decision makers to not give it back to anybody else uh, from that point there forward. And then all of a sudden, uh, you've got a, a young, a very very young offensive line uh, for a long time that can be very physical and, and pretty pretty exciting overall. Yeah, but let's get to the the sleeper because I know you got a, a good sleeper that we don't talk about enough, and and everyone loves this guy. So let's talk about him. Yeah, is he last year's Justin Ross? Um, uh, we've had jo- Jody <laughs> honestly, Fortson. honestly, yeah, yeah. Jody Fortson, you know, made that conversion from wide receiver to tight end, and you know, I think the initial thought around him was he's somebody that's going to be able to to catch a jump ball into high point ball, but what else can he do? Can he really be an actual tight end? And I think in very limited action last year, he very quickly proved he was dedicated to his craft as a blocker that he was going to be an all-around tight end, and then all of a sudden he gets some red zone targets and he makes some highlight reel catches. And And this is somebody who I think would have worked his way all the way up into a very, very prominent offensive role, especially with some of those red targets last year, red zone targets, had he not been injured. So Jody Fordson coming back, looking healthy. Um, you know, don't Don't forget about him when it comes to offensive playmakers. No, I 100% agree. I'm glad you included him um, because I think we all love Fortson and, and everyone talks about him um, to an extent. But I think I think we need to start considering him more, you know, not just like the the oh, that's a great story how he became a tight end from receiver. No, he's 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 a playmaker. And I think Noah Gray better watches back a little bit in terms of being that tight end to receiver role. Because you're right, man. They lo- they went to him a lot in the red zone. And honestly, one of his last play, or I think it was the last play he made because he got hurt the same game was that great uh, contested catch right at the one. He didn't get into the end zone, but it was like a 20-yard. It was, you know, 20 or 30 yards out. Contested catch, man. That was a great play, and that's just kind of what he gives you over the other tight ends they have. Honestly, you know, I know the receiver position is a little different this year than last year, but 
It honestly may even be over some of the receivers you have too, where he might just be the best go up and get it kind of guy in the red zone. So I'm excited to see him back. I think he was really on his way to doing something special. Absolutely. That diversified group of uh, offensive weapons could look uh, really, really fun if Jody Fordson uh, continues on the path that he was on before. So watch him this offseason, watch him in camp uh, and be ready to roll. So that's it for market movers. But, you know, Ron, I get the feeling that you were that you were born a rambling man. You can hear the music. It's it's going. Shout out, Serta. Um, yeah, it's rambling Ron time. Again, not with the Western or Southern accent. I'm just going to go ahead and, and continue talking like I usually do. But rambling Ron, and I got something that I'm sure a lot of Chiefs Kingdom saw this uh, recently. You know, LaShawn McCoy comes out on the on that podcast, whatever it was. Um, and, and says something about, you know, Eric Bieniemy, basically saying like that he was the reason I didn't go back to Kansas City because he did. If you remember, he did end up playing one more year with Tampa, you know, after that 2019 season, the 2020 season, I 2020 season, right? Or 2019. Wow. I'm tripping myself up now, but 2019 because he won the he won the ring. And then 2020, he was on the Bucks. Yeah, yeah. OK, so <laughs> he did not come back to the Chiefs, though. Because what he says is because he just, you know, of Eric Bieniemy, he just didn't like his coaching style, I guess. Um, and I think we could all kind of see how that could be a thing. But here's where I just, I, you know, it just drives me a little crazy. And and I get it, you know, Bieniemy is that going to be that type of coach that, you know, not everyone's going, you know, I don't think every type of player likes that kind of coach. And, and I totally get it. You know, every, we've all played sports. We've all seen those kind of players that just don't really respond to, you know, uh, hard coaching. And some guys really do. Some guys need you to yell in their face or get in their face a little bit. And I just think it's just going to give off this impression, I feel like, to some of you in Chiefs Kingdom. I hope not, because we saw that anonymous article right after the playoff loss about the enemy being this cancer in the locker room and being this guy that's dragging the rest of the offense down or like making things harder on the offense because he's, you know, he wants his way and he's a he's stubborn or, you know, he's really hard on guys and just yells or it's just. If that was truly a problem, if this was truly a problem with the offense, Andy Reid is not going to have it. Andy Reid is not going to have this guy as his offensive coordinator for however long it's been since, what, 2015, 2016? Uh, actually, probably, I think, only 2017, 2018. He's been, the, he's been the running backs coach here since the beginning of the Andy Reid era. But all that to say, he would not stand for this if that was truly an issue. If the, if the enemy was truly a cancer in the locker room, like we have seen multiple people try to kind of maybe point it out to be, you know, I get he hasn't had a head coaching job yet. And maybe, you know, and LaShawn kind of made it the point that maybe that's why he hasn't had a head coaching job yet. I think that's ridiculous. I just, I, I, I don't get why he doesn't have a head coaching job yet. And maybe GMs are scared of that kind of coaching style. But just to make it seem like he's some cancer in the locker room and that like, you know, maybe players aren't even wanting to come here because of it is just ridiculous, man. I think, I, I think it's just Shady McCoy just was kind of maybe a, a, a guy that, you know, on, on his last leg, you know, maybe just was wasn't really trying to have that as an all pro, former all pro kind of running back, wasn't have that hard coaching. And it's funny because Andy Reid agrees, right? And this is actually exactly what he said. Um, and I and I'll and I'll go into it right here. He said, I'm a big LaShawn fan, and he said this last Thursday. In my eyes, he's a future Hall of Fame running back. If you look at it statistically, he's tremendous. But he wasn't the youngest pup in the kennel here. He was on the backside of his career, and sometimes that's hard to take. And I mean, Stags, you've been covering this team long enough to know. That was more – Reed did not need to give an answer there. He did not need to give any sort of information there. And he basically went out and said, look, like, the enemy – like, that has nothing to do with the enemy. That's McCoy being salty, being, you know, not getting a role in this team. 
So I, I just like that Andy backed up his guy there. So that's done with Ramblin' Ron. I just let's just be careful about, you know, just because the enemy is kind of a hard ass sometimes doesn't mean he's a cancer in the locker room. Because if that was the case, he would not be coaching for the Chiefs anymore. Yeah. I don't have too much to add to that, <laughs> but yeah, that the amount of shade that uh Andy Reid threw at Shady McCoy in that press conference is is notable. And that's the thing that just caps it all off for me. I, you know, I try not to pay too much attention to some of these stories about drama that come out because so much of it's just, it's just gossip. It's just uh, uh, some sports writer was bored and they try to try to take yep. on, take one little quote and take it out of proportion. But that, that sort of confirmed to me that uh, uh, everybody, everybody in that room knows where the issue is. And it's certainly not with the coaching staff. Let's go to the upside down now, right, Stags? What do you got for us as we enter, we turn, we flip side upside down? Uh, we get that song going, too, for this, too. Uh, <laughs> no, what do you got, Stags, as we look into the Stagner things? Yeah, this uh, this segment, if you think about Stagner Things, the show, uh, sorry, Stranger Things, the show on Netflix. Uh, Stagner, Stagner uh, Things is your article. Stagner model the model article, the segment yeah. or, or an article series after that, and... Uh, the upside down is like the other part of the world, the other dimension that the, the, the characters on that show fall into, uh, where everything's just messed up and just not right and just different. So I always look for something, uh, you know, a comment out there, uh, a conspiracy theory, uh, uh, something that is uh, just feels backwards from reality. Uh, and that's what I want to talk about this week. Uh, certainly not criticizing uh, this tweet here, and I, and I don't have a I'm not great at pronouncing the last name here. I'll say Nate uh, Polvgott on Twitter uh, threw out a question, and it is a valid question, and it's one that I think some people have probably asked uh, as we go along. Uh, specifically, he says, what if the answer in Kansas City is actually Josh Gordon? We talked about Josh Gordon. We talked about the competition at the wide receiver room. Um, what if in this upside-down world, this this – scenario this alternate reality scenario what if josh gordon comes back at age 31 after not producing in this league uh since before ron was out of out of high school probably You're right. <laughs> uh josh gordon somehow comes back this season now he knows the offense signed that futures deal after being inactive and all of a sudden he is the go-to guy in this receiver room what if he's the answer? What if he has a monster season, thousand yards out of out of Josh Gordon this season? What would that mean for this team? Well, to me, this is a little bit of like the 1980s romantic comedies when <laughs> there's a guy and he's talking to his best friend who happens to be a girl and he's trying to get her advice on how to get the girl he really wants. And it turns out in the end of the movie that he and his best friend were, were destined to be together all along. Uh, or those adventure movies where uh, they're seeking out treasure and they get to the end and they say, you know, the real treasure is the friendships we made along the way. Um, you know, this is one of those those scenarios that would be poetic. That would be a great, you know, cheesy movie or kids story that you could tell people. But to me, this would be an, actually a pretty terrible outcome for the Chiefs. <laughs> If Josh Gordon's a thousand yard receiver this year, if he is the guy in this room, that means that the entire Chiefs offseason around rebuilding this wide receiver position and trading away Tyreek Hill, 
and going out and investing in several other receivers has been a complete and total failure. If 31 year old Josh Gordon is your guy, Sky Moore failed, McCullough Hardman failed, Juju Smith-Schuster failed, MVS failed. All of a sudden, you've got this whole wide receiver room that they've invested in that have so much talent and upside. Some of those guys on one-year contracts or in the last year of their contracts. If McColl's contract year ends up featuring Josh Gordon, McColl's not here next year. If McCole, if Juju Smith-Schuster on a one-year deal can't outproduce Josh Gordon, then that was a failure of a signing. This entire room will have to be a complete and total failure for Josh Gordon to be a success. Uh, yes, I believe multiple receivers can succeed here, but if you get down through those top four guys and Josh Gordon is your guy, if he's the, the long-lost love, he's the best friend, he's the treasure you find along the way, then then it's not a good outcome. And this team's probably not very good on offense. Yeah, I think that's safe to assume. I love I love the analogy because yeah, no, we're we, we get rid of Tyreek, right? No, let's say, you know, that's like the ex-girlfriend that you can't get back, right? Like that's not happening. And so like it's this new love interest. He's we're trying to find it. And it's been our best friend the entire time, Josh Gordon, who and I do want to say, like Nate, the guy uh, that tweeted that out. He isn't a Chiefs fan. He's a fantasy guy. And that's what makes it even funnier to me is I feel like fantasy football writers this entire offseason are going to try to talk themselves into, you know, Josh Gordon. They kept they resigned him. They kept him back. You know, there's a lot of unprovenness in this receiving core. And like so I think Chiefs fans are smart enough to know maybe that. that and I and I know we're all going to get maybe, you know, we're going to see him one time make a catch in training camp. We're going to be like, wait, hold on. Oh, OK. Mm-hmm. But it's just funny to me that like. Even more to an extent, I think fantasy analysts are are like really diving in deep, remembering, you know, they win winning their league eight years ago because he had 1600 yards and being like, you know what? This Chiefs offense could use a, you know, a receiver. They have a lot of unprovenness. Oh, man, man. No, that's I, that, that's, that's a great point about it being a fantasy football take. I didn't even think of it in that way. You know, if he's fantasy relevant, again, you've probably got an issue. <laughs> Fantasy football uh, analysts and and owners are probably going to hate the Chiefs wide receiver room this season, right? Because you might have four guys with 700 yards apiece uh, and nobody really breaking out. Uh, even if this offense is really really good, you might have the ball spread around so much that nobody is super relevant when it comes to fantasy football. That everybody is just average, or maybe you'll have a really inconsistent, which is actually the worst thing in fantasy football is if you have a guy who's 120 yards and a touchdown one week and then catches for 20 yards the next week, that very well could be the chiefs receiver core as well. If somebody's featured one week and not the next. So I can imagine this being a fantasy nightmare, uh, both on the running back side and the receiver side this season. Uh, But again, the idea of Josh Gordon is being relevant in any sense of the fashion is just key. It's what it is. It's peak optimism and that's what you get this time of year yeah optimism around players like josh gordon around justin ross around the chiefs defense being better around the chiefs offense being better without tyree hill peak optimism season peak speculation season peak overreaction season uh and you know what uh we'll keep covering it we'll keep talking about it all across the overhead pride podcast network and here on the out of structure podcast moving forward 
Stay with us. We appreciate you taking the time today. Come back in a couple of weeks and we'll talk more about what's happened through OTAs and we'll find some more stuff to overreact to.